Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. Why women wait to have children? Why are they waiting later in life to really start a family, settle down? And uh, Joji, you sent me a lot of great articles, which I was reading over the last couple of days. But I wanted to kind of start off by asking you what your thoughts were on this particular topic and if it's something that resonates for you. Because I know for me, this is pretty true to my kind of trajectory in life. Well, you know, uh, the idea of waiting longer as a woman makes sense to me, but it wasn't necessarily what I was asked to do, pressured to do, and such. And so in my family, getting married at a younger age was really the expectation. But personally, I didn't feel ready until I had a sense of who I am and wanted to make sure like my education was taken care of and sort of knew, knew, sort of knew what I was bringing to the relationship. So as I hear off and on that women are waiting longer and, you know, is that going to affect childbearing years and things like that? It's always been something that I think is talked about. And even with my daughter, who is 27, there's no ambition for her to get married anytime soon. I don't think there's any pressure uh, or no kind of obligation to try to get that off her to-do list before the age of, say, fill in the blank, 30, 35, 40. So that's why I thought this was an interesting um, conversation, because in my life, there was definitely pressure. And in my daughter's generation, it feels like, you know, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And there's no timetable to get that sort of accomplished. So, Lisa, you said that you were struggling uh, with this. This is something that means a lot to you from a topic standpoint. Uh, what, what, how has this impacted your life? Well, so for me, I went to graduate school. And so kind of off the bat, I was a little bit delayed and kind of, you know, I went to finish high school, went to undergraduate for four years. I went to graduate school for five years. And so it felt to me that people at least like around me were getting married later. Some of my friends didn't get married until their mid thirties. And so there was just kind of this, okay, get married, have kids, but you know, finding a partner and that sort of thing. Like if you didn't have, you didn't find somebody either in high school or college, you know, it was going to be a while. And one of the articles that talked about, so, you know, I'm considering the millennial generation, uh, talked about that independence and kind of finding yourself. And I think that that was probably very true for me, really trying to figure out what I wanted in a part and then trying to find that person. And uh, I'm, you know, we did, I did a lot of online dating and there was that kind of opens up the field for a prospective partner. And so again, uh, some of it resonates with me, but I, I don't think that I consciously was waiting for any particular thing. It's just that how my life panned out was just that I had kids, you know, at my start having my first at 30. And my plan was, yeah, about 10 years, I wanted to end by 40. And that was kind of my trajectory. So in the Cosmopolitan 
article I sent you from 2016, it talked about data from the Pew Research Center stating at that time that the median age for uh, men and women had been pushed to 29 and 27, respectively. Do you feel like that median age that they represent was similar to what you were thinking about? Or do you think you were, because of your five-year graduate program, that you were looking at 30 as sort of a starting point? I mean, again, I think that I met my husband when I was 24. 24, 25. So I think that it was just, I was in the midst of my graduate program. And for us, it was like, okay, I have to, you know, finish my schooling. I need to kind of get through all the the licensing and things like that. And, and they actually said in like one of my licensing books, it said like, don't move, get married or have a child like while you're going through this process. And I, that just rang very true for me. So I think that it wasn't again, like, I mean, that part was a conscious decision, but for the most part, it just kind of fell that way. But I can say for the majority of my friends, most of our friends are, you know, around our age and most of us are finishing having children now, but started around 30. So it was very rare. I mean, I had a couple of friends who met their partners in high school that obviously they had kids earlier. But again, I just really kind of see generationally that people are waiting longer. I don't know if it's, you know, as it was stated in the article, like that independence, but it did feel like more people were waiting. There wasn't as much of a push to you know, get married right away. And so I think that was one piece of it. And then the other piece was just that we wanted to be settled. We didn't want to rush into anything that to rush into it might have, you know, I think a lot of times we're hearing the the statistics about the divorce rate is 50%. And so, uh, you know, at least for me, I knew I didn't want to just rush into a relationship. I wanted to be able to have this partner that was going to be my lifelong partner, hopefully, you know, you never know how things are going to go. But for me, it was important to be able to know that that was that I was settled and I knew what I was getting into before I kind of made that longer commitment of marriage. And I think that that was a piece that was discussed as well, is that people were moving in together and living together before marriage. And I think that also is something that rings true for me. And I will say that uh, when I was reading and doing the research for this topic, it was interesting to me how sort of in my generation, there was this idea of, you know, two people find each other, get married, and then their life begins together versus in the millennial generation. It sounds like you've got two people who are almost fully formed, who know who they are, and they come together and have a life that brings the gifts of both people's lives together and that enriches a marriage. And I saw that as being distinctly different. Does that sound different to you? Or as you're living through that, does it sound like it's still the same? And we know that when two people meld their life together, there's got to be compromise. There's got to be a meeting of the minds and people give up and compromise and all that stuff. That doesn't change regardless of what age you get married at, because that's really a relationship at its core is finding a way to be with each other and remain yourself and true to yourself. But I just mean in the way that it was sort of described, do you feel that as a millennial, you know, you did come as an independent sort of taking care of yourself, being who you are, and then finding a way to move forward with your partner? Or do you feel that the it still rings true that two people come together and then they forge a life together as part of marriage or part of their life together? 
Yeah, I think it's more of maybe it's a combination of both, but I think that it definitely is more about two people kind of melding together and having a foundation of who we are at the start of it. You know, I, I see a lot of relationships, like even in my colleagues and friends now, like a lot of people who will say like, oh, I was engaged or, oh, you know, I was in a 10 year committed relationship and I'm thinking, but they're single now, you know? And so people are not getting married right away, but they're definitely living together, melding their lives. But the marriage piece of it is like, that's a final kind of we're committed. And I think that there's more fluidity. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the word. It's just more fluid in how people are identifying. I mean, I know you know, quite a few couples who have been together 10, 15 years and are now just getting married. They have children, they've bought a house together. But for them, like that was kind of the final step in their relationship, which I don't know if that's different from before. But I definitely think that there's kind of this you know, with um, common law marriages and things like that, I don't think that people are feeling the need to immediately rush in. So, you know, again, maybe part of that, I'm just thinking off my top of my head, is that, you know, before you might want to get married because you want to be on each other's insurance. But now we have, you know, maybe two people that are both working, both have their own insurance and medical coverage. There's no rush for them to immediately get married because they are more independent and they don't have that need for, you know, one or the other to get on their insurance. So that's just one example that came to mind um, at this moment about if you don't have that immediate need, what's the rush? Right. And so you, in essence, described, you know, what Helen Fisher, this uh, biology anthropologist described as slow love, which was in another article that, that I was reading about. And Basically, that's exactly what she has found in her research was that because there is sexuality can occur now before a marriage and some of those rules have changed, there is this idea of, you know, you can be sexual without being married. And if that is a good fit and that's working, then people move more into like your traditional dating environment. Um, Then they move in together and then they end up married at some point as almost like a final step in that relationship or getting to know each other. And clearly 40 years ago, that's not the way things happened, right? Marriage happened, sexuality happened, and then things progressed from there. So it has a lot to do with, I think, the role of sexuality and women uh, not limiting themselves uh, to be sexually active prior to getting married and and those societal rules changing, I would say probably more than 40 years. Um, I think it's been going on for probably 60 years. But prior to that, there was a lot of rigidity around uh, female sexuality. And so I do think that that plays a pivotal role in the shift because when you take that out of the formula, then you have the ability to have more choice. And and I think that leads to changes automatically. Uh, I will say that when I was talking to my daughter a while ago and she was talking about people who got engaged right out of, there was maybe one person who got engaged right out of high school and a couple of people who got engaged in college. And for my daughter, she was just so much like, how can they get married? Like, what do they know about each other? What do they know about myself? And these women who were getting married were uh, traditionally Christian women whose families believed about limited sexual sexuality prior to marriage. I'm not saying that's what drove them to get married, but it seemed like that was a common denominator in those those families. Um, so 
I do think that sexuality plays a role and definitely with the younger generation being a, a lot more free in their sexuality, I think that has been a game changer too. Have you sensed that in, in the millennials as you've, in, since that's your generation? I mean, I think that it's interesting. I don't, I don't think that the, I mean, I guess I'm maybe more, more traditional in that, you know, I have very kind of grounded Catholic morals and, and kind of direction. And so for me, it wasn't the openness to, to sexuality. Although I think that there, there was a lot more fluidity. I don't know why that word keeps tripping me up. You know, there, there was a little bit more liberal thinking, uh, not for me personally, but I, I think for some of my friends, but I don't think that that played as much of a role, at least not for me personally. For me, it was about my career was my focus and partner would come maybe, but like I was a very career driven individual. And so it wasn't so much about, you know, trying out these different relationships. It was about, I'm focused, I'm doing what I want to do. And if you're going to come around long for the ride, great. But if not, you know, I, I don't really have time to waste on, you know, a relationship that's not really going anywhere. So I, I think that I'm maybe, maybe I'm not the, you know, best representative of the entire, and I, I don't think either of, you know, I can't represent an entire generation in, in all the ways that, that we think. But I think that for me, it was more about, I'm focused, I'm independent, I'm doing my own thing, and I don't need a partner to fulfill me in the ways that it was kind of depicted in like, you know, the movies and things like that. And I, I actually, I think I was thinking about this because like even the movie Frozen, which is, you know, the little girls, and I, I think maybe now a little bit older age um, children are kind of phasing out of it. But like in Frozen, you know, there's this this whole conversation about relationships and the main character, Anna, rushes into a relationship. She wants to immediately get married and everybody's like, what are you thinking? And in the end, you know, she decides I'm just going to be me. And, and she's, you know, she ends up, I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, though I think most everyone has. But she ends up punching the guy in the face and being like, you know, I don't need to have a man in my life. I think that that's a very popular Disney movie and we're moving away from the Cinderella's, you know, being swept off their feet. So I think even in our media, there is kind of this change. Most of the newer, and I'm focused on Disney just because that's what I'm engrossed in with three small children, but most of the media and the movies that children are being exposed to uh, Moana and Kanto, like there's, there's no longer this conversation or this, you know, storyline about the damsel in distress. And I think that that says something about this shift as well, moving away from, I need to find a partner and settle down and have kids. And like, that's my whole focus versus I have a career and I have things that I want to do that are, you know, irregardless of this other person. Yeah, I do. I do agree. And I'm and I'm grateful that Disney has uh, changed the direction of their movies and their roles for women, because it's a long time coming in terms of where it needs to go. I do think that though that's happening, there are still uh, pressures on women once they do get married or decide to have children with or without a partner to to really then squeeze a lot in before 
um, time runs out. Um, I'm, I have a situation where, uh, you know, I'm in the medical field and I work in healthcare and, you know, it's, it amazes me that there's this stereotype of, uh, female physicians who are now, you know, graduating in higher numbers than men are just by a couple percent. But most women make the decision, most female physicians make the same decision you do, you did, which was to wait until all of their schooling and training is done before having children, not necessarily getting married, but having children. But for those um, few women who do have children in medical school or um, residency or fellowship, there's this belief that they are not as committed to their career as they are their family. And then it brings up all this discussion about, would they be a good physician? Would they be a good partner? Are they going to be committed to this practice? And I really think that's unfair because, you know, as a woman who has the responsibility and the physical capability of having children, carrying children, that's just something that you have to try to fit into your life. And I feel like the rest of society needs to get up to speed on allowing women the opportunity to fit everything in their lives, because why do you have to be limited to choosing one and negating another? You know, and I understand I'm not unrealistic and feel like everybody can have everything they want, but there's also a way it has to happen. And if you're going to have children before the age of 40, you do sort of have to put that in there somewhere after you're done training and before you hit 40. So there's like those number of years that you need to get that done. And though on one hand, social media is saying, or with movies or such, that, yeah, this is good. Women should stand up for themselves. Women should be independent. But then there's also the rest of society that feels like it's judging them for doing that or making um, assumptions about their commitment. And I don't feel like that's fair to the woman who's trying to have a career and balance out her personal life. I think that that varies by career choice. But I have found it distressing in the last couple of weeks as we as I have been going through the recruitment process, trying to find a physician for my job. It just seems like we're hitting up against that. And it just feels so unfair to me that women are saddled with that assumption if they're having children um, as they're trying to manage their career and their personal life. And I know you deal with that every day as well. So I don't know if you have thoughts about that. Yeah, I'm over here nodding my head repeatedly because I'm almost thinking, I know that in the next episode, we're going to talk about self-care and I'm like thinking we're kind of, we're teetering on that topic because I think that that plays a role in that of, you know, uh, there's a lot of filling your plate too much. And I think that I feel that pull on a daily basis to, I have to go to work and if the kids get sick, okay, I have to push, or if I'm sick, I have to push through and be there. Or I, I wasn't there because, you know, I wasn't at work because uh, I had to take a child to an appointment. Like a couple of months ago, I had to take my son to an appointment. So I had missed an hour of work and, and that should be a reasonable thing. But then I think the next week he had his Christmas party at school and I opted to not go to the Christmas party because I had missed that hour the week before. And I think that some of that was probably my own pressure on myself because I do feel like I need to excel in my job. But some of that was also just, you know, the other staff who don't have kids are there and they don't have to leave or, you know, I mean, they have their own doctor's appointments, but they don't have to leave for their appointments and another individual. And I have three children. And so for me, you know, I have to 
kind of balance out who who I can go and see and who I can't because of the pressures of work. And again, I think some of it's self-imposed, but I don't think that there is a very good system in place to really support mothers. And I mean, again, we could go on the whole, it probably could be a whole nother episode if we talk about, you know, maternity leave in general in the United States is just, a, it, the system is broken in that regard. And, uh, you know, again, that probably is like maybe a different discussion, but I think that that all plays a role in how and when women decide whether to have children. I know of quite a few people who said, you know, we're not going to have children because to do so would interrupt or interfere with me excelling. But I am also uh, in the middle of reading Happy Working Moms. And it's a book about, and I haven't finished it, so I wish I, <laughs> I wish I could fully report what the book is about. But it talks about really, you know, being able to be a working mom and still be happy, still feel fulfilled, still have the best of both worlds. But a lot of it is talking about, you know, making time for yourself. And again, this kind of bleeds into the self-care episode. But again, I don't know. I struggled with the book because I was listening to it. and I was like, yeah, okay, that all sounds great. But is that realistic? So that's where I'll leave it. Yeah. And I do feel like that too. I mean, I remember when I was a, you know, full-time mom and full-time career woman and you're constantly battling. And as you noticed, I didn't say, and full-time trying to take care of myself person. I mean, because when you're working full-time and your mom full-time there, you just, there's no other time. I mean, that's two full-time lives right there. And so the self-care just happens by accident or luck or something else. And and you're constantly feeling like you should spend more time working or more time mothering and whatever you do isn't good enough or enough. And so where there's time to take care of yourself, I have no idea, but I do agree with you. I think there are some women or some couples that just decide that a, either they love their independence a lot and being married is enough of a compromise of their time and they don't want to add to that by committing to having children, which will drain even more of their own personal time or career time or such. So I also know more and more couples who've decided to be childless and it really doesn't make them stop and think probably until they're in their 50s um, and they realize that, you know, they either you know, miss out, missed out on having children, or they feel like who's going to take care of them when they're older, or that they have no one to leave their now accomplishments, their wealth or whatever too. And uh, that's usually when I see people in my age groups, sort of, I won't go as far as to say regret, but but definitely reflecting on their choice not to have children. And what, where does that leave them today? Uh, but it really isn't until the 50s. I think they're really moving forth in their life, having a good time, taking vacations and traveling and, you know, just doing things that they want to do uh, for a long period of time until I would say probably 50s, mid 50s, when they start thinking about maybe their end of life and and the fact that they're alone. And if their spouse dies, they will be purely alone. And so that's when I see that happening. And so um, I have had many friends who've made that decision as well. But it sounds like, you know, we've covered this topic really well. Do you have anything else you want to add, Alyssa, before we end for today's episode? No, I think that, like you said, I think we covered everything. So we're going to dive in in our next episode if we kind of do them in order about self-care. But 
before we get into that one, um, you know, we would love to hear from everybody as far as whether you have had the same experience of maybe waiting longer to have children or maybe just kind of putting your life in a different order than maybe your own parents or grandparents. Um, so we'd love to hear from you and we'll kind of go from there. All right. Thank you so much, Joji. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? Want to share topic suggestions? Or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about? Contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com. Thank you.